Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, here Dana Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Yuma, daf Ayin Chet, page 78. So, on the bottom of Amud Aleph, of daf 78, uh, we had a real conundrum. Here, Dana, you, we both were talking in preparation about, there's a whole discussion here about a bechor, you know, the firstborn of the animals, and what happens if there's a blemish, and it's a long, involved discussion. And it's not, and we said, you know, what is going on here? Like, why is this here? It just kind of feels kerplunk down into the middle of a daf about other things. And then we figured it out. At the end of this whole discussion, at the very end of a Amadalev, it says, They, meaning all the people who had been involved in this discussion, so now I'm going to tell you who those people are, Amarav Menashe, Bartachlifa, Amarav Amram, Amarav Barbarchana, Sha'alu et Rabbi Elazar. All of those people also had another conversation about what happens if you would go out on Yom Kippur in sandalim and sandals made of cork, right? So I, I found it to be a really interesting, I don't know, constructive point about how you know how the Gemara is structured here, that it kind of carries along a section that really isn't the discussion itself, meaning the discussion about the Bechor, the firstborn animals and the and the mum and the blemishes, the real discussion of that is elsewhere. It's not here. It's citing a passage so that we can, you know, ca- capture the the group of people who are discussing what also comes to be the relevant discussion for us, namely, in the context of the Inuyim, of the afflictions on Yom Kippur, one of them is not wearing um, a leather sandal, and so then the question is, what if you have cork sandals, right? Is that considered a shoe? The, the, the way the Gemara talks about it is, you know, are you talking about a shoe or are you talking about not a shoe? And if it's a shoe, then you've got a problem on Yom Kippur. And if it's not a shoe, then you'd be okay. So Amar of Yitzchak bar Nachmani al-Raglav, I'm sorry, Amad, he stood up. Amad Rabbi Yitzchak bar Nachmani al-Raglav, Amar, Ani ra'iti Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi she'atza b'sandal, so he says, I saw, Rabbi Yitzchak bar Nachmani says, I saw Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, he went out on Yom Kippur in cork sandals. Meaning this is about as as good of testimony as you could, as you could get that cork sandals should be fine on Yom Kippur. And I said to him, what are you doing wearing? He doesn't say what are you doing? He says, what is the law, right? What? On a tanitzibor, on a communal fast, right? The issue should be that these should be prohibited. Tanitzibor is usually a fast that is called when there's a drought, right? But it can also apply to shivasar batamus, which we've just had. It could, you know, it, there's there are other communal fasts, right? But in the case of a drought, would you then not be allowed to wear the cork sandals? Loshna. So the amalei loshna. He says he says back to him. Now, there's no difference, meaning these sandals of cork are indeed permitted on a communal fast day. So now we've got another testimony of Rabbi Barachana, which we know he was already sitting amongst this crew. He says, I saw Rabbi Lezer Demin Ninveh from this place of Ninveh. He went out with cork sandals on a tanitzibor, not on Yom Kippur, but on a on a fast day that presumably is about rain. The and I said to him, "Be Yom Kippur, my." Says not about tanitzibor. He's going to ask, "What about Yom Kippur?" 
If you can wear these on a Tanitzi board, can you wear them on Yom Kippur? Amar Lehi Loshna. And he said to him, there's no distinction. Meaning, yes, indeed, whether it's Tanitzi Bor or it's Yom Kippur, you can wear these cork sandals. They are not considered the shoes that are prohibited amongst the afflictions. Rabbi Hudanafik Behitne, Abai Nafik Bidehutse, Rava Nafik Behdiavle, Rava Bar Rav Huna, Karech Sudra, Achrai Venafik. So this is each one of them has a different foot gear uh, for Yom Kippur. So Rabbi Huda went out, he was wearing reed sandals made out of, I guess, the reeds. They were woven from that. Abai went out wearing palm, palm fibers, whatever. Um, Rava went out also in reeds, and none of them are considered to be a problem for Yom Kippur. And this one I think is my favorite. Rava Bar Rav Huna, Karich Sudra, he would wrap a sudra, a handkerchief or some kind of cloth around his feet, and then he would go out. Meaning he's got some kind of scarf around his feet, and obviously those are not shoes, so it's fine. Now we've got uh, a whole separate, uh, kind of a whole new reaction to this discussion, which is no longer about the substance, really, of the shoes. Mati Vrami Bar Chama Hakitea Yotzei Bakav Shalo. Hakitea is an amputee, right? So Rami Bar Chama says that Hakitea, somebody who has is missing a leg, right, and has a prosthesis, will go out wearing that prosthesis. Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says that's fine. It's Rabbi Yossi Oser. But Rabbi Yossi says, no way, that's prohibited. Meaning that's going to be too much like a shoe on Yom Kippur. Matani, which by the way is I think a difficult position and I think nowadays we would say no, no. Like we would not stand for that at all, Rabbi Yossi, because we do not think that a prosthesis which is supposed to take the place of a leg or a foot is not going to be like a shoe just because it happens to be a substance that might be that a shoe might be made of, it's still the function of it is not to be a shoe. But I'm speculating here. Rabbi Yossi Yosser, v'tani ala v'shavin sh'asur l'atzeipo b'yom ha'kipurim. So there's a b'rita that says that they agreed, meaning they agreed, whoever the they is, um, that they is prohibited to go out wearing it on Yom Kippur, meaning just as wooden shoes are prohibited, so that so too wood in a in a prosthetic limb would also be prohibited. And again, here, Yadena, I say, I got to call into question my assumptions because I certainly grew up thinking that Nilata Sandal was about the affliction of, you know, removing your shoes here was always about leather shoes. And here they seem to be talking about any shoe that functions as a shoe, including one made out of wood, where if you had asked me on any given Yom Kippur, could I wear shoes out of wood? I would have thought the answer would have been, yes, that's fine. It's not leather. Amar by Hatam de Itbe Ketitin Umishum Ta'anub. So Abai says, in the case of Yom Kippur, right, the issue is there's rags in the prosthesis. So then the concern is that this is a matter of comfort at a time of Inui. And the comfort is what's the problem, and that's what should be prohibited on Yom Kippur. It's not so much because it's wood, but because of the comfort level, which again, I would say, but that's how he's supposed to function in this world. Rava goes on to add to this, Amarle Rava, lav manahu ketitin mana. Rava says, if a prosthetic limb is not a, a shoe, then the fact that it's got rags stuffed into it, or is that going to make it a shoe? Which I think is a fine question, meaning if the essence of it is not a shoe, then adding some 
rag so that it will be a little bit more comfortable on the body is not going to turn it into a shoe. This is anything that's not really a shoe. Who prohibited any kind of enjoyment or benefit or pleasure on Yom Kippur as long as it's not specifically the, because of the wearing of a shoe? And again, here we've got the story of Rabba Rav Huna who would wrap a scarf on his feet, meaning that should, theoretically you're wrapping your feet in rags, that's better than going barefoot, right? So that is some kind of ta'anug, that is some kind of pleasure, benefit anyway, um, and it is permitted in Yom Kippur because it's not a shoe. Um, so the point being, the rags that are with the prosthetic should not be a problem. The ode, midiketani seifa, im yeshlo beit kibul ketitin tameh, so then we say like this. If the prosthetic leg has some kind of receptacle in it that's going to keep the rags there, right? then we're worried that it's a kli and it could become impure like any other kind of kli made of wood could become impure. And then we could be in a problem situation. right? Then we're not talking about a prosthetic limb uh, no, sorry. So that's that's the first problem. So then we're worried about Tuma. So therefore we can understand that the very, from the top of the daf here, where we're, not the top of the daf, the top of the amud, we can infer that we're not talking about a prosthetic leg that has a hollow space for the rags, because otherwise we would end up with a concern about Tuma, which would trump everything else. And therefore, at the end of the day, uh, the Gemara here says we reject Abai's position. So Abai is the one who said that the whole issue was the rags were the problem, right? That's that was his um, chiddush at the in this case of the prosthetic. That Abai says that because there's rags, so then there's some kind of benefit, some kind of comfort level, which would be a problem in your kipper. And so the Gemara goes to great lengths to come out saying, "No, Abai, you're wrong. The rags are not the issue." Meaning they're not the issue, they're not there as a receptacle that could be tummy. We know that there is another rabbi who would wrap his feet in rags. Rags are fine. Rags are not a problem. And rather, Ella Amarava, Leolam Alma Min Alhu, So Rava says, no, everybody says, again, I'm fascinated by this. Everybody says a prosthetic leg is considered to be a shoe. I don't know. Again, I would not have thought that. And with regard to Shabbat. Is what they're, it's really Shabbos that they're worried about. Is this a matter of carrying? They're not worrying about it. Is it a, a shoe for the problem of Yom Kippur? The question is, you know, what's going on when the when he straps on the minal when he straps on the prosthetic? Does it count as something that he's wearing? How does it work for Shabbos? Marsavar Gazrina Dilma Arba Amot Lo Gazrina. So we have here a machloket, right? Where one one of Chazal, Chazal, specifically Rabbi Yossi, he's the one who says that we prohibit, there's a decree prohibiting the wearing of a prosthetic leg on Shabbat, lest that leg slip off. This is the real issue. Not that it's a shoe, and this makes more sense to me. Not that it's a shoe, but that it slips off if it were to slip off, and then, oh my goodness, it's fallen off. You're going to pick it up and carry it because you're not going to leave it there, right? And then you'll carry, you know, Dalet Amot, Bershu Rabim, let's say, for example, and then that would be a problem of carrying on Shabbat. And then another sage, right, because it just says Mar and Mar, um, and this one is Rebbe Meir, as we know from the top. Rebbe Meir says, we do not decree such a, an issue 
we're not worried that you're gonna pick up your you're gonna lose your prosthetic and then prosthesis and then pick it up and and carry it down amot which i think is also reasonable somebody who needs a prosthetic limb is going to take great care a that it's not going to fall off and b if it would fall off presumably they would put it right back on there's not there's no reason that you're going to carry it again he can't i don't really know how well he could walk if he doesn't have the prosthesis in place so all of this really comes down to say that the prosthetic limb is possible to be worn on yom kippur it's possible to be used on shabbos and frankly, also to be worn on a tiny tzibur, even though that it really is a sidebar to make the Yom Kippur point. You know, I I think this whole thing with the prosthetic leg is interesting because we saw a lot about this in Masachat Shabbat as well. And I guess this sort of was like a almost a common halachic issue that we had down. So whereas in Masachat Shabbat, it was about carrying, was it considered a kli? Could you wear it? Here it has to do with how does it relate to being a shoe um, for Yom Kippur. And I don't think it's something we would normally think as being, I don't know, a popular halachic topic. <laughs> it's to see how it appears twice and gets a lot of time into Masakta. I would say it certainly functions. I, I think it is a practical question for some. But for others, it'll be one of your boundary pushing questions to make sure that we understand how far the parameters of, for example, Nilata Sandal, how far does it go? Yeah, it's funny. I didn't feel this was boundary pushing, but I could see why you would say that. Like, I thought this was I, I don't, I don't think it's theoretical. Practical. I don't think it's theoretical. I think it's practical, except for that. I think that it's also boundary pushing in that it is not really, I would have to wager, it's not that common. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I would not have thought it was such a a common need to know, in which case, for anybody who doesn't need it, um, for a halachic perspective, then they're simply exploring the halacha. I, I would agree with that, right? If you're, if this is impractical, you're exploring. Um, I want to go into two things that are on this stuff. Um, so there's an interesting discussion that happens about sort of other forms of, I guess, like rechitza, of washing yourself. Um, and it starts off on Amadalaf with this discussion, could you sit in clay? Um, and then they sort of start to list a variety of items that were ways that people cooled themselves. And I thought this was interesting because we live, you know, in a time of air conditioning. And even you can have the hottest Yom Kippur. Most of us get the pleasure of sending in air conditioning. And here they list a variety of items. Not going to read the Gemara inside, but Rabbi Yehuda would put a squash on himself. Rabbi would put a baby next to him, which I thought was very interesting because I don't know. I always find when you lay a baby on you, it actually heats you up. <laughs> it's not really cooling. Uh, Rava would use like a cool silver cup, which makes sense because we know like metal can be cooling. Um, and then there's even machlokas. Can you use it or not? So I just found this, you know, sort of this age old problem of being overheated on Yom Kippur appears on our daf. Um, but really the remedies they use, to me at least, were very out there. I think the remedies are out there. Also, I'm always cold on Yom Kippur. So that doesn't help me at all. Meaning yeah, remedies you're cold on Yom Kippur because you're davening in air conditioning. These are people yeah, maybe. Like, it could have been really hot on Yom Kippur. Um, but the what next thing I'm... Fasting, don't you think? Fasting makes you look Yeah, I, I think it just was hot and they didn't have air conditioning. So being <laughs> cool was important to them. You know, it was important. And they're listing the ways they did it. And they seem to be quite unusual. Um, but now I'll jump to Ahmed where we get into the topic of which part of the inuim, of the, you know, sort of afflictions do children have to participate in on Yom Kippur? 
So children basically can do everything, right? They can eat and drink. They can wash. They can smear themselves with oil. Right? But the one that they don't do is the wearing of shoes. And, you know, this was so interesting because we know this is sort of the one that all our kids, when they come home from school, they all wear different shoes from Yom Kippur. But it was interesting to sort of see where this custom comes from, where this halakha comes from in the pages of the Gemara itself. The Gemara says, My sandal. What's different about wearing shoes? The Amri, Inchi Abdulay, Hanach Nami Amri, Inchi Abdulay, Rechita Vesicha, Emar Meetzmal Abdulay. So, what's different about wearing shoes? Because when people see kids wearing shoes, they understand that an adult did it for them. A kid can't put shoes on by themselves, but an adult put a shoe on for them. So, for this reason, right, when it comes to the other, you know, prohibitions also, which was like, you know, bathing and smearing, they'll also say that adults did it for him. And therefore, you know, children should just not be allowed to do anything where adults did it for him. So the Gemara explains, when it comes to bathing and smearing oil, right, you could say, no, they did it for them the day before. Um, you know, and and so it's certain that a child would never have been bathed on Yom Kippur itself. Sandal Nami, okay, so right, we could say this about shoes too. Amar me'at mo avdilei. You could say, wait, you just put on the shoes the day before. Sandal lav shardimi adol avdi. No, there's no way you put on shoes the day before. Damar shmol haiman dabai lamitam tame demitute lusayemi sane ligine. Right? Because you wouldn't never say that adult did it before because the shmol said somebody who wants the taste of death should put shoes on and go to sleep. In other words, it's not a thing that we do. We don't wear shoes. Uh, we just don't wear shoes to bed. So I think the distinction that they're sort of making here is, you know, there's something about bathing, being smeared with oil that has to do with regular care of a child. And that's just like not something that we're going to do for them on Yom Kippur itself, right? But wearing shoes, right? Wearing shoes is something that's different. And so children have to follow the th same thing about wearing shoes. It's not really something that's part of sort of their regular care. And I think that's why sort of this exception was made. But then the Gemara wants to go and say, But the mission, when it says, right, that they're allowed to wear shoes, it's really saying that it's And therefore adults could, you know, even do this on them, on Yom Kippur itself, because no one's going to think you did anything wrong, right? They're allowed to wear shoes. Right? So we say, no, we have to explain it. The 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 sages basically decreed this again because this is something that's necessary for their growth. But they did not decree something that wasn't necessary for the growth. Because Abai says, right? Abai says that my mother, and again, remember, we've learned this before that whenever Abai talks about his mother, it's not his biological mother, it's his uh nurse who took who raised him. Revite Dianuka, Maya Hamime Umeshiche. Right, his mother told him that a child needs to have hot water and oil. Right, that's what they must have. Kedal putra bechutata, and when he grows, he needs to eat egg with kutach. Right, kedal putra taburi mane, and when he grows a little more, and I thought this was delightful, he needs to have vessels to break. That this was some type of toy that kids had; they would break vessels. Kihabe deraba zavin luku manet gizize. 
And so Rabbi would have these cracked vessels for his children and they could sort of break them and smash them. So I think the distinction that's being made here with the, um, with the sandals is this seems to be something easy for kids to do and something easy that they can do and allows them to sort of keep something about Yom Kippur. Whereas the other things, washing them, smearing them with oil, like we know kids get dirty. We know these are things that kids are going to have to do. It's interesting. Obviously, they understand the kids are going to have to eat. And so we make this exception for the sandal. Um, but even just this little tidbit here, you know, this extra advice that we get from a bias nursemaid of what are things that children need, uh, this idea that children need to break things. Um, I think we all know children who are like that. And seeing the Gemara talk about it is really funny. Um, yes, but also it's funny that it's a presumption, right? Like, this is everybody, you know, also maybe not so accurate. Right, um, right, that's true. They're not even saying it's certain children. They're like, kids love to break things, so you should have things for them to break. You know, it's not bad. It's, you know what it is? It's saying make sure they have toys, right? That's that's the bottom line. I, I think that's what it is, and that was just basically the type of toy that they had. Yep, and I think also, I think just a, a sidebar, you said that, you know, it's the, the something that's going to be for the kids to do in Yom Kippur because the others are obviously going to be too hard. I think there's something really um, that kids get really excited, at least in our day, get really excited about doing something that like the grownups do on Yom Kippur, namely wearing, you know, Crocs or flip-flops or canvas sneakers, you know, whatever it is that isn't leather because they can't, they're so not doing whatever the grownups are doing the rest of the day, you know, and it's the one thing I think that they feel like big, you know. Right. It's interesting that, like, I could have just used the reason of, like, oh, for chinuch purposes, this is easy to do. But the Gemara really gives a well-thought-out passage about why the, the shoes and not something else. Yes. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbanit Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.